know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Seasons Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What up, podcast land? This is yours, Jim and Joe, the Band for All Seasons podcast. And on this week's episode, we're talking all things Georgia Bulldog baseball as the dogs are in the postseason. And we'll be talking all things Atlanta Braves baseball as we get you guys set for an action-packed weekend and remaining of this brief week of baseball. I hope everybody had a great Memorial Day Monday yesterday. And Memorial Day Monday yesterday, we found out Georgia's regional destination. I'll be getting to that here in one second. But before we get into the baseball conversation, it's time to get a word from our sponsor. And Fan for All Seasons is brought to you in part by Georgia Smoke Barbecue, authentic original oak smoked barbecue catering. You can learn more at georgiasmoke.com. And so now, the big news that I know everyone is really excited about, where is Georgia going to play? in the postseason. The dogs are headed to Chapel Hill. They're the two seed and they will be in a regional with UNC who is the number one overall seed in this regional. They won the ACC tournament. VCU and Hofstra. The pride of Hofstra. The VCU Rams. The North Carolina Tar Heels and the Georgia Bulldogs is who makes up the Chapel Hill regional. So excuse me. So so what does this mean for Georgia? So Georgia will play in game two of the Chapel Hill regional. They'll play Friday night at 7 p.m. against VCU. And North Carolina and Hofstra will be playing in game one of the Chapel Hill Regional. That's a two o'clock first pitch. And so how regionals work, guys, they're double elimination. You have to win at least three games. And so like, let's say Georgia, let's say Georgia plays Friday. They win Friday. They play Saturday. They win Saturday. Then they'll play Sunday. They win Sunday. They've won the regional. But if Georgia somehow loses, then they have to play Saturday and then another maybe another game later on Saturday night or another game potentially later on on Sunday so basically you play potentially two games in one day and if it really comes down to it in a tight situation you'll play games on Mondays that's how regional that's how regionals work in college baseball so the winner of the Chapel Hill regional will go on to face the winner of the Stillwater Oklahoma regional which is Oklahoma State the Cowboys are hosting a regional and Arkansas is the two seed in that regional so so if by some chance Arkansas won the Oklahoma State regional and Georgia hopefully is able to win the Chapel Hill regional that would mean Georgia would host a super regional at Foley Field so I'm rooting for that I would love that that would be awesome. I'm really excited to see Georgia playing against North Carolina. As a lot of you know, Georgia and North Carolina have played most recently in football. I want to say the last time they played each other in baseball was all the way back in 2002. This was Coach David Perno's first year on staff at the University of Georgia. Yeah, that's the last time we played North Carolina. It's kind of surprising that Georgia and North Carolina haven't played more recently in sports. I don't understand why that is. I mean, it's a pretty good haul, but ACC, SEC, I just think that would be really cool. I know Kirby's very first game as coach back in 2016. Georgia played against North Carolina in football and that was the Jacob Eason game that was the Mitchell Trubisky game at quarterback for North Carolina and I remember going to the Dome 
and I had a really good time at that game. And then <clears throat> one other last historic Georgia victory against North Carolina all the way back in 1983, the Georgia Bulldog basketball team defeated Michael Jordan and those North Carolina Tar Heels. And for Georgia to eventually go on to be a part of the Final Four all the way back in 83, a lot of people think, oh, Dominique was on that team in 83. No, Dominique left in 1982. And that team was led by none other than one of my favorite people in Athens. One of the best Georgia Letterman that I know, the one, the only James Banks. James Banks was a fabulous player. I actually got to go to James Banks' basketball camp when I was a youngster coming up, and I really learned a lot from Coach Banks about basketball, and I made some really good friends along the way, and uh, shout out to one of my very best friends, Alejandro Clark. That's where I met him. We've been boys for forever. I mean, we met at basketball camp and have stayed bros ever since. Honey, hope all is good, man. Anyway, going back to Georgia and North Carolina and the regional, that's how this works. Georgia will play VCU Friday night at 7 p.m. and then they'll either face the winner or the loser of UNC and Hofstra. So what's it going to take for Georgia to get going and to beat to beat these three other teams and for Georgia to win the Chapel Hill Regional? Well, in my estimation, guys, it's really going to come down to the Georgia offense. Georgia going to be able to hit its way to victory in the Chapel Hill Regional. I think that's critical. And the two guys that I really look to step up offensively for Georgia are none other than Parks Harbor, sophomore first baseman, who has 12 home runs and 49 RBIs, and Connor Tate, senior outfielder, who has 12 home runs and 55 RBIs. With Georgia's pitching being as razor thin as it is, Georgia's going to have to rely on its bats and look for Tate and Harbor to be the two main catalysts for getting big innings going and being able to drive in runs and also have the threat of the long ball. I really think those two are going to make a really big impact this weekend in Chapel Hill. As far as the pitching goes, I heard I heard something on the morning show this morning, or which is a show that's based out of Athens. It's hosted by David Johnston and co-hosted by Logan Booker, who was on the pod last week. And Dave is the color analyst for Georgia Bulldog Baseball. And then, so Logan asked Dave his opinion on what he thinks Georgia's going to do as far as the pitching. And Dave Dave said, in his opinion, he would start Liam Sullivan Friday in game one. And then on Saturday, in either the winner's bracket or the loser's bracket, you have Jonathan Cannon ready. And I couldn't agree more with Dave. I think that's a spot-on move. You know, the thing about Liam Sullivan is he's got the ability to change speeds. He's a big, he's a big, strong left-handed pitcher. And I think if Georgia started him on Friday, I think I think that would really, really be a nice move by the dogs. It would give Cannon another day to rest up and be ready. So that way you have your ace, you have your ace pitcher going on Saturday, whether you need him to help you advance to the winner's bracket, or if you need Cannon to help you try to stave off help you save off elimination in the loser's bracket. I just think giving Jonathan Cannon that extra day is very important for Georgia. I hope they take Dave's advice. Coach Strickland, if you ever listen to my podcast, there you go. Anyway, so I'm excited about Georgia baseball coming up being in the Chapel Hill Regional. The two seed, I love it. Um, I'm very, very proud of this team. I, 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 really, I really like this club. I know injuries have, have, have made it tough on the dogs, but I really do like I really do like our bats, especially Harbor and Tate. I just look at the two of them, and I just think they're going to have huge weekends for Georgia, and Georgia's got a really good chance to come out of this regional alive. I know it's going to be tough having to eventually face North Carolina. They're the host, but as we've seen in the past, I mean, I can think back to going to, like, my last 
last few Georgia baseball games as a student back in 2018. Yeah, back in 2018, and I saw Georgia in a regional against Duke, and we lost to Duke, and I'm like, we lost to Duke? And then the crazy thing is Jeff Conine, the former Major League Baseball player, his son was playing for Duke, and I was like, Conine, I recognize that name. That's where Georgia finds itself, the two seed in the Chapel Hill Regional. As far as other things going around the world of college baseball, from the in-state perspective, I want to give a little bit of a shout out to Georgia Southern. They are hosting a regional in Statesboro. They've got Notre Dame and Texas Tech and UNC Greensboro as well. So I think Georgia Southern's a team that I think a lot of people aren't really that keen on. And I think Georgia Southern's got a chance to make some real noise. I know, shout out to my girlfriend, Allie. I know she's going to be really fired up as well as the rest of Georgia Southern and the Eagle Nation. So we've got Georgia, Georgia Southern, as well as Kennesaw State and Tech. They're going to be going over to Knoxville to be playing against Tennessee. And Georgia Tech is going to be facing Campbell in the first round, the Mighty Campbells of Campbell. So we've got the Campbell, Camels, and Tech. So that's where things are as far as college baseball. We've got four teams in it. It should be a lot of fun. Most importantly, I'm fired up about Georgia being the number two seed in the Chapel Hill Regional. Hopefully looking to come out of there alive and potentially host a super fully field next weekend. So that's going to wrap it up for the college baseball slash Georgia baseball part of the show. We're going to jump to some Atlanta Braves baseball here, guys. And as far as the Braves go, I want to start things out. I want to jump back to last Saturday. So last Saturday morning, yeah, I'm laying in bed and I got the radio on and I'm listening to this Saturday morning baseball show on an Atlanta radio station and, and they're like breaking news the Braves have called up Michael Harris. And I like sprang out of bed and I was like, what? They called up the... the number one prospect in the organization. And like all I had heard for weeks from people in the know is that they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. He's not ready. He's not ready. But the Braves did call up Michael Harris. And I've talked about Michael on the pod before. He's a really, really dynamic player. And I know he's played in a few games. And people have seen some of the great things he's done. He had that great diving catch on Sunday. And Saturday, I was fortunate enough to be at the Braves-Marlins game. I went with I went with my parents, Allie, and my good friend, Steve Tchaikowski. So Steve, let me give you a little bit of background on him. He's a guy that I played softball with many, many years ago back in college and is, is just a good guy. Like He's a really big baseball fan and he loves the Braves. And so he invited me and Allie and my parents to this incredible suite overlooking right field. It, it, it was unreal and I, I just couldn't get over the view. I'll put the view up on Facebook as a part of my way back Wednesday for the podcast, but it, it it was unbelievable. So shout out to my boy, Steve, for making that happen. It was really fun. Um, so anyway, going back to Michael Harris for a second. So Saturday, he went one for three. He got his first major league hit. It was a single, I want to say he hit it to left field. He did. Um, but anyway, when you think about Michael Harris, what stands out to me, guys, is that he is incredibly athletic. He covers a lot of ground. He's a dynamic throwing arm a really, really, really strong throwing arm. And I think Michael Harris is a guy who I think a lot of Brave fans are going to fall in love with. I mean, you just see the athletic talent he has. I mean, I'm not really expecting him to do much offensively. If he can just hit like 215 to 220 and just and just play great defense. I mean, that that's the whole reason Michael Harris is here is for him to play defense in center field. Duvall just wasn't cutting it anymore. And I, for one, am really, really proud of the organization for giving Michael Harris this shot. 
not. Um, jumping back to last Saturday morning for a second on this baseball show that I listened to on an Atlanta radio station on Saturday mornings. One of the comparisons that I heard this guy say that he had heard about Michael Harris is that he's a combination. Physically, guys, he looks like Jason Hayward. And then that his batting approach and like his eye and stuff like that is that of potentially a Nick Markakis. So you have the physical attributes of Jason Hayward with potentially the batting eye and potentially the the approach of a Nick Markakis and Michael Harris. Again, I'm not really expecting Harris to do much offensively. I just want him to catch the ball and make good plays in center field and potentially throw guys out if he has to. Because what we are seeing, guys, is an incredibly dynamic athlete. And I just think you could potentially have an outfield of he and Acuna together in center and right for years and years to come. Wow. I mean, just think about that, guys. Like, the athleticism and center and right just got upgraded significantly. And now Adam Duvall can play left field where he ultimately belongs. More on the Braves outfield in a minute. I want to talk about last night and that was Monday night with Spencer Strider making his first career major league start. Guys, I gotta be honest, I was not really a big fan of this move. I When I see Spencer Strider, I see like the second coming of Craig Kimbrell and I'm like, why, why would the Braves put put a guy like this who's poten- who potentially, like stuff wise, reminds me of Kimbrell. They put this guy in the rotation and I was just getting frustrated and just like, I don't know about this because all I kept thinking about was remember I want to say it was like a brief time when Aroldis Chapman was with the Reds and the Reds tried to make Chapman a starter and I was just like this is not going to go well but honestly Spencer Strider proved me wrong he really did and he pitched four and two thirds innings he allowed five earned runs now a lot of these earned runs obviously the home run that Strider gave up to Pavin Smith last night who I think is going to be a really really good player for the Diamondbacks I remember him from his days at Virginia he was a really really good player um so anyway so strider gave up five earned runs he had seven strikeouts which was good he had two walks but ultimately at the end of the day i think strider's gonna get another start here guys and the braves are desperate for for a fifth starter and so check out this stat guys so the braves record in games started by charlie morton max freed ian anderson and kyle wright the braves are 24 and 16 from your fifth starter the braves are 2 and 10 so that basically tells me that if the braves can find some stability in the fifth spot and if it is spencer strider he can he could potentially really help out this rotation and help the braves get on track offensively and help the braves get on track as a whole not not only just his presence on the mound and again i really think strider's the real deal i just i just wasn't sure how he was gonna do as a starting pitcher and he proved me wrong he really did he really really did and so strider's gonna get another start on saturday in colorado colorado as we all know it's a very spacious very very deep ballpark so outfielders like michael harris Acuna jr or and adam duvall are really gonna have to get their running in really be on their game so speaking of the outfield my final final point with the Braves is this. We saw Marcelo Zuna make just a horrific play in the game Monday night where he dove for a ball and he was like a, he was like a foot in front of the ball and and and, and led to a big inning for the Diamondbacks. And guys, I, and I and I know a lot of Braves fans feel this way. Marcelo Zuna should never ever 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 play the outfield ever again. He just shouldn't. I know the Braves want to be careful with Ronald. I get that. I get that. But at the but guys, we're we're at the point in the year where we need to have our best defensive alignment. Marcelo Zuna is not that at this point in his career. He's a DH. He I I like his bat when he gets a hold of balls, but Marcelo Zuna is what he is at this point. It kind of blows your mind when you think 
Marcelo Zuno won a gold glove back with Miami. I know that was before all his injuries and stuff, but it's like, wow, like, there's no way this is the same dude, right? I just think at the end of the day, I hope we can get Acuna more in the outfield and less in the DH spot. So hopefully the Braves defensively can be more stabilized. Going forward, the rest of the series with Arizona, the Braves will be playing late night out west. Tonight, Charlie Morton gets the ball for the Braves. Wednesday is a is a day game. It's getaway day in Arizona. And then you series I talked about. Colorado's outfield being extremely spacious. Our outfielders are really going to have to run. And it's a hitter-friendly ballpark, but the Braves have struggled in Colorado. I made a mistake, guys. Kyle Wright is pitching Wednesday on getaway day against Madison Bumgarner. That's going to be a good pitching matchup. So, so that's where things stand as far as the Braves schedule. Two more in Arizona. If you include tonight's game starting out west at 9:40, and then you've got the day game in arizona at 3:40, and then you've got a four game series in colorado thursday through sunday that's a hitter friendly ballpark hopefully the braves offense can get rolling in colorado and then after that the braves are off tuesday wednesday with oakland and then the pirates for four so that's where things stand as far as the braves and before we get on out of here this week guys i want to tell you about fanforallseasons.com it's our website you can check out all our past podcasts you can check out how the podcast came to be you can check out our merchandise store we've got our comfy colors t-shirts in a variety of colors so check that out guys perfect in time for the summer weather you can rock your favorite sports podcast t-shirt they're really nice shirts i also do have a couple of ideas in the works as far as upgrading the merchandise store and that'll be coming later on in the summer i don't want to reveal too much just yet me and my brain trust are working on that so there'll be more information about that as there'll be more information about that as we get more involved in the summer and i'll let you know about that when we get there so anyway that's so that's the deal with our website fanforallseasons.com and now guys it's time to get a word from our sponsor and fan for all seasons is brought to you in part by georgia smoke barbecue authentic original smoked barbecue catering you can learn more georgiasmoke.com so for myself jim and joe flying solo this week this has been another exciting installment of the fan for all seasons podcast and i'll talk to you guys next week see ya go braves and go dogs